This is the way. This is the morning drive on News Talk WVMT. Welcome back to the morning drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and joining us live. It's the only way she could be in studio is live, right? Live in studio, former city council president Jane Nodell. Good morning, Jane. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Marcus. Yep. Anthony. That's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, I'm usually up at eight. I'm not really usually prepared to speak in complete sentences. So my, my apologies, Anthony. No worries. It's all good. <laughs> Jane, uh, I did it twice yesterday, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Screwed somebody's name up well, twice yesterday. So yeah, join uh, the club. You remember Ted Knight was on the Mary Tyler Moore show? Yep. Um, well, we were accidentally discussing him as the owner of the Spanked Puppy. It's Ted, Ted <laughs> Knight, who's been dead for 35, yeah, right, yeah, four yeah, years, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, Happens yeah. all the time. So, yeah, at least your guest was alive. Right. The one, the name right. I screwed up was had been dead for 40 years. So. Now, Jane, before we get into some topics that we're going to talk about, I just want to say um, uh, Jane has is the uh, not brand new, but she has a new puppy to the to the uh, your household. So oh. Loba, yes. right? Loba is yeah. a four plus month old miniature schnauzer. Ooh. And she's a very good dog. Uh, except when she's not being a very good dog. (laughs) (laughs) What's the old phrase? When she was, when she was good, she was very, very good. When she was bad, she was horrid. Yes. Something like (laughs) that. That's certainly my dog, Casey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and I have met her. She, what a sweetheart. She's a real, she's a love bug. That one. For sure. Really. That's going to bring a lot of joy to your household for many years. So, Jane, um, of course, past city council, city councilor, past city council president in two different time periods. Um, and uh, UVM provost and now professor. Yes. Um, but also Best now. Best job in the world, by the way. Anyway. Which one is? Professor. Better than yeah. city council president? Uh, yeah. Well, I was thinking really better than provost. Better than provost. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're back to teaching. Back to teaching and research. And that's, as my mother said, that's what you got a PhD for. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And if that, let me just ask, what, what do you teach? Or what, what's the research? What? I do. I've been teaching a big section of principles of macroeconomics. Oh, okay. Where I recently I got the question, what would happen if the U.S. government defaulted on its debt? Yeah. And I said, it would be ugly and gnarly, and we would all <laughs> feel it immediately. Um, and then I teach money and banking, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And I've go. talked to some of the people, some people who have been your students who loved you as a professor. Oh, nice. Thank you, Kurt. Now, uh, Jane, in addition to all that, of course, n- now you serve on the ho- Board of Housing Review for the city of Burlington. Close. Oh. I'm on the board of the Burlington Housing Authority. Board of Burlington Housing Authority, right. Yes. That's slightly wrong. And the Burlington Housing Authority used to be known as public housing. Right. Um, but the kind of model has changed. So we're, we're basically... You know, owners and operators of almost 700 apartments um, that are inhabited by individuals with very, very low incomes. And that is the what's now referred to as Decker Towers, I believe. Decker Towers is one of the properties of Burlington Housing yeah. Authority, but there's also Riverside Avenue. And there's a lot of kind of smaller buildings, uh, multifamily buildings with, say, four to six units uh, largely in the south end that BHA owns and operates as well. 700 units. Yeah. That's a substantial amount of housing. Yeah. And then BHA also administers all the Section 8 vouchers, many of which are um, people used to access housing owned by private landlords. 
And Jane, one of the properties, Decker Towers on St. Paul Street, the 11 story building, I think it's that's the tallest building in Burlington, has been in the news a lot recently with some really major problems with some of the residents who've been there for a long time that are dealing with issues with other people who live there with drugs, needles being on the stairways. In different places, people, I think some who live there and some who don't live there that are getting into the building. They've had meetings recently that have been carried on WCAX news with the chief of police and with the person who is, I think, the administrator. Uh, and uh, so it's it's been an ongoing problem. And I, and I used to manage the store across the street many years ago. And it was a problem even back then. But it has gotten a lot worse over the years. What do you know about what's going on there? Well, this is um, an issue that I've spent a lot of time on. It and for me, it's very clear that this is, you know, the number one kind of problem that ne- that that the city needs to address. Um, and certainly, it's affecting BHA and the residents at De- Decker Towers in very serious and adverse ways. Um, there, the ED Steve Murray tells us that that there are possibly six individuals who are dealing drugs. Out of Decker Towers. And do they live there? Or they come well, in and... Sometimes they, they live there, but I think most of the time they get attached to someone who is the resident. Yeah, right? that's the way it usually works. You know, they, and they, then they set up their operation there. And we have cameras. They've set up cameras um, so that we know that like there's one apartment that where there's a lot of activity. We're talking 100 people in and out of that unit a day. Now, oh. now so as... Because this comes up, whether it's the Burlington Housing Authority or a, a private owner of a, of a property. Um, so you've identified the six people. The, the director has identified the six people. They know the apartment the traffic's going through. Where, why, why is nothing done? Okay, that, I mean, that's such a great question. Um, so the short of it is that it is very difficult and takes a long time to evict somebody. Right, but even if you evict them, I mean, with 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 that kind of evidence, do, do, do don't the police get involved? Yeah, yeah. So, in my mind, it's it's not. I'm not here to kind of say the police are the problem. No, right? I don't think so. So, um, but a lot of people, you know, so I need we need to kind of take that on. Mm-hmm. They would the police would love to be able to respond to all of these calls that come in the way they used to, Kurt, when we were on the council. And we had an average of, you know, 95 to 100 officers. Okay. So they can't do that now. Yeah. So they can only respond if there's something, you know, like something life-threatening that's happening at that moment. Okay. Now, the police department wants to work with the housing authority to try to build cases. And there's lots of things that we're doing together to help the police build cases against individuals. Nice. And so you can you can use the technology like in this particular case the cameras to gather evidence so when the police finally can they they have more of a case exactly with, and and more structure exactly. than just, you know, picking up somebody for a misdemeanor. Exactly. Now I had to um, organize a meeting with the ED and South End counselors and counselors Paul and Shannon were able to attend that meeting and Councilor Travers wanted to come but couldn't make it. And what became very clear to me is that there's this idea that the public has, and that obviously the neighbors of people in neighboring proper properties and resident people that live around these dealers yep. are like thinking, why isn't the housing authority doing something? Yeah. Right. And I want 
people to understand that we are doing everything we can, um, but we're very, our hands are tied because of, in my view, the big problem is the judicial system. Okay. So people get, when you build the case, people get, the dealers get arrested, they appear before the judge, it will take a long time for them to get a court date, so the judge releases them back to the community where they resume their business. And the and the logic behind that, or the defense behind that, is that everybody is uh, uh, afforded a speedy, uh, rapid, and speedy uh, trial. Yes, presumption of innocence. Yes, I and, and, and I agree with that. I, I think everybody does. So, yep. so really, it comes down to this again, this backlog or this this timing with the judicial system. Yes, I it. mean. I've come to con- the conclusion that the state of Vermont is underfunding our judicial system. Okay? So then, I mean, otherwise, the way, how do you solve a backlog? You increase the supply. You right. know, you get it's, more judges, you increase the capacity. <laughs> Sorry. Right? So why aren't we doing that? So that, that you think that's the biggest issue? Is Now, that's not an issue that's... Um, special specific just to the housing that you're dealing with it that could cut across all housing issues that cuts across all housing issues and it's an it's something that affects communities all over burlington all over the state of vermont right so you think there one of the problems is it's with the state that there needs to be more funding for courts to deal with the court with the yes. backlog issue. yes and we need judges who are prepared in some cases to hold someone in jail until they get a court date if they are doing a lot of harm to the community. And I, you know, before the argument used to be, well, our jails were at full capacity. Now that's not the case. Um, I just, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I find it uh, refreshing that an economics professor <laughs> says, let's just look at this in a supply and demand. Well, and that's how I also look at the problem sure. of, of drug trafficking. Um, but let's, I'm going to circle back to that. But, but staying on Decker Towers, Kurt, go ahead. Jane, do you think that an additional problem, though, is how hard it is just in general to remove any tenant? I mean, uh, there's always a discussion in Vermont, in Burlington, about the laws between tenants and landlords. Uh, that how about how hard is it to get rid of any bad tenant? Is yeah. there is there a problem there too? Because we know that there's been a move to go have, have Vermont go to an even what would seem like an even tougher place. No cause evictions. Yeah. So it makes you wonder if that would make this problem even more difficult if we went it, that route. It could, but I mean, I think that my I think right now the emphasis should be on is there an eviction process we can create for very extreme emergency kinds of situations um, and kind of deal with that and then maybe take on the bigger issue. All right. Well, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. You know, this is just a bizarre conversation because you could have a judge on every street corner alongside the drug dealers on every street corner. And as long as you have prosecutors and a legislature that will not prosecute, prosecute or incarcerate because they don't believe in it, nothing's going to change. Elections have consequences. You're living with those consequences now. What do you think of that, Jane? I, mean, I don't disagree that the prosecutor in, in Chittenden County is is part of the problem. Um, but when you raise these issues with her, she points to the court backlog. Okay. 
Now, she she will not also then say, and I've been advocating for that the state address that. I'd like to hear that from her, right? Um, so if we even if we accept that, you know, she would prosecute if if you know people could get a timely timely court date. Um, you know, she's. I think the prosecutor's office is is part of the problem, but it's not all the only part of the problem. And if you take away the excuse of the backlog, then then we have that you're just I think it's a step in the right direction. And and I think you're right, because you always hear, well, we would do something, but it, the court dates nine months out or something. Yeah. And, and so I think if you eliminate that problem, then 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 the other one will flush itself out with right. the prosecutor. Right. I mean, it's only, you know, even if BHA could, you know, kind of get these individuals out of these BHA apartments, you know, they're, they're likely going to just be still here in Chittenden County and in Burlington. Right. So it's, you know, we also need that kind of across the board, in my mind, approach of making Vermont a very unattractive place to do this. And and it does seem, um, you know, and whether it's anecdotal or real with real hard evidence, um, it does seem like the word is it's pretty easy to set up shop in Vermont to deal drugs. I mean, you, you see all these people, uh, you know, Springfield, Mass, or or Brooklyn, or the Bronx, or, or, or these 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 larger cities, and they come up here and they uh, they just they do their business and they go home. And they, I, I think that it, uh, it we kind of have that word on the street, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that we also have a lot of you know homegrown Vermonters who are you know dealing. Um, so it's not just people coming up from other places. Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Jane, let me quote from, uh, you know, there's been a lot of publicity about this issue with Decker Towers in particular on CAX and VT Digger, et cetera. Let me just quote from, get your reaction, uh, one paragraph in VT Digger about this story. Um, it talks about one person in particular, but then it said, in, in a meeting, residents have insisted that to the authorities' leadership, police, and the media that problems in the building have reached crisis levels. They say the Decker Towers is plagued by drug dealing, theft, and noise, and that a lack of security has allowed too many non-residents into the building, leading to unchecked crime. So is it is there anything else that the that can be done within uh, the people that are running the, these properties? Yeah. In other words, is there not funding to have security? Because what residents obviously are saying is in addition to what you're talking about, is that we need a, a security. We need security in here to keep these people out who are coming in that are not that are not that don't live here and are coming in for bad purposes. Yes. So we we have the authority has done some things, and there's probably more that we can do. But here's like here's the concrete problem that comes up. Okay. So we have people. This is a structured building for people for elderly people and people with disabilities, and some of the people with disabilities have physical disabilities, so they get around in a wheelchair. Okay, so they come to the door, and you need time. They need time for the door to open and get through the door, and in that amount of time, someone can come in behind them. So, how do you provide right. the accessibility and the security? That's a challenge. We've had people. Elderly people who've seen somebody do this coattailing thing, get into the building, call them on it, and get assaulted by the person. Oh, yeah. Our staff at BHA is getting assaulted when they're trying to 
deal with these problems. I was going to ask, is it, it's, it's not a safe situation? We are into to, it. Our next yeah. meeting, we're going to be considering hazard pay. I mean, it is, it is, it is a crisis. I mean, I think it is, it's appalling that it's been allowed to get to this point, really. What, what was the reaction of city councilors? Is the city, is there something that the city could do? Well, the city could prioritize kind of active enforcement of drug trafficking. That's what I would like to see the city do. They can't do it by themselves, right? They have to work with the DEA. They have to, you know, kind of get the prosecutor on board, deal with the problem with the judicial system. But I'd like the city kind of to really take the lead. They could work, we could work with other cities, work with Rutland. We know that's a lot going on in Rutland. I'm sure there's things going on in Barrie and other cities, right? So you need some kind of concerted lobbying and legislative agenda behind this, right? But first you also have to kind of shift the mindset that we currently have in the city of Burlington, which is that the only thing that we should be doing is harm reduction, okay? And the, that, is, that is helping the people who are suffering from substance abuse, dis, abuse disorders, okay? Now, yes, we, of course, need to be doing that. But we also need the public safety approach. And now this takes us to the events of the Public Safety Committee meeting last week. I don't know if you want to get into that now or wait. We wait might for want to get into that um, after the when we hit the break. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, you know, I used to, I, I knew back in the day I knew something people that lived over there, and and this has been an ongoing issue for many years. But it certainly has gotten now worse in the last few years than it used to be then. But I. I always felt bad for the residents who lived there who who were longtime residents who already were continuing to deal with these issues of, as they said, theft, noise. So people have literally gotten assaulted when they've said something to someone about following them into the building yes. when they're not allowed to. Yes. Um, yeah. Is there... I mean, also this, you know, so, so people were coming in, they were buying, they were using in the building. Mm-hmm. And then they're hanging out in the common areas. Okay. That's what I was going to ask about the common areas. Yeah. I know they're, they're, so the common areas have been now shut down and they're shut down at a certain, in the early evening hours. Okay. But, but people are then going into the stairwells and they're spending the night there. They're leaving behind lots of materials that then need to get cleaned up which of course is sad that they have to shut down the, those common areas there's a there's one up at the top of the on the 11th floor i think that has this incredible view yeah but is are you having problems at the other properties or is it mainly decker towers well there's a concentration at decker towers but this is happening at other prop- properties as well and there's a property on um that's affecting that the block of st paul street where the champlain college housing is the uh, the Great Street, the right. new Great Street on yes. St. Paul Street. Yep. And uh, I know that the, um, you know, the, and it's not just Burlington Housing Authority housing that's affected like about this. No, we know that all over town. It's all over town. It's it's um, it's stuff that's going on in underground garages that people are using. They're they're breaking into people's cars. They're leaving behind the needles and. Et Let's go. Uh, we've got time for one quick phone call before the break. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Uh, yes. Good morning, uh, Jane. Thank you so much for speaking up on this subject. I think it's really important to bring attention to it. 
Uh, you had mentioned earlier that uh, many of the dealers are connected to somebody who is living in Decker Towers, most likely not on the lease there. I'm kind of curious, when they are arrested and then released, are there conditions being placed upon their release? Are they being uh, electronically monitored so that way they um, are there restrictions placed upon not being able to trespass on Decker Towers again? I'm trying to understand how the judiciary is um, um, failing us here. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm kind of curious uh, what your answers are. So yeah, thank you. That's a great question because those conditions of release are, you know, really significant. Um, and I don't know the answer to that question. I'm going to find out the answer to the question. I know that when we had drug dealers living around the corner from us, I looked at, you know, the, the conditions of release that were being put on the person were very light, you know, and basically not really monitored. So it was like you can go back to your, you know, residence and you can only leave your apartment to go to doctor's appointments and get groceries, you know. So who's, who's tracking that, right? Nobody. Nobody. And that's around the corner from where you live. Yeah. And that's right. We found conditions of release so many times with people that just pay no attention to them anyway. Right. And again, the process, I raised that with the state's attorney, and she said, oh, but it's the court that imposes the conditions of release. It's like, yes, but they, you know, look to the prosecutor for recommended yeah. conditions of release. So you can't hide behind that. The circular firing squad of everybody pointing exactly. at the other one to know it's them. No, yeah. it's them. Yeah. And, and we need to get out of that. Yeah. Agreed, yeah. without a doubt. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to check in with Fox News. Uh, Jamie's got the uh, local uh, news, and we've got the forecast, and then we'll be back. Uh, I'm taking calls after the break. 888-414-0303 with uh, Jamie. On FM 963 AM 620. News Talk WVMT. To the morning drive, everybody. Continuing our continuing our discussion now with Jane Nodell, but we have Kelly Devine on the line, so we're going to go to the to the line. Kelly, how are Good you this morning? morning? Good morning, uh, Professor Nodell. I guess is the uh, current uh, title. And Anthony, um, I've been listening, of course, closely. Uh, as you guys know, this is a very very important um, topic to the Burlington Business Association and. I did attend that public safety meeting um, last week, uh, Jane. It was it was very interesting. Spoke to the council president after, and I would love to get your thoughts. You know, one I provided testimony at the beginning, and you know this this issue we have uh, with you know the drug use and drug dealing, which I think you've laid out really well. And you mentioned people in coming into Burlington Housing Authority property and getting assaulted. We are seeing these assaults and as well as harassment happening in all kinds of sectors across the city they're fairly rampant up at the hospital emergency room they happen at retail stores they happen in, in restaurants they happen to people walking down the street um, and I was wondering you know you mentioned about the courts and our need for public safety I've sort of tried to press upon the city about these sort of all these innocent victims that are being impacted by the presence of this, you know, this, the drug dealing, the associated retail theft, the associated assault. And I was wondering if you could comment a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of those consequences of allowing this sort of drug trade and drug use to go unchecked. And I think it's interesting that Portland, Oregon, 
just advanced the, some legislation to try to outlaw drug use in the public. So I wonder if you can mm. speak to that. Wow. I did not know that so, about, about Portland. It tells you how far, you know, they got into a very, very deep hole, and now it's, it's very, very hard to kind of climb out of it. And I, and I don't have an answer to the question of what do you do about the, the violence and, and, and harassment that's associated with the drug trafficking. Um, I do think that we need, as Councilor Milo Grant says, a holistic approach. And by that, I take her to mean that we need to not only um, do all the work on, on harm reduction, and I would add to that recovery mm-hmm. and helping people get clean. There's not enough talk about recovery, helping people get, he- get healthy. Um, and I think that needs to be part of that harm reduction approach. But we also need the public safety side and the law enforcement side. Um, and we're seeing the consequences of not of, of kind of tolerating and allowing it to continue to kind of fester and get worse. And Jane, uh, Kelly mentioned the public safety committee meeting that she attended. And I know that you have, uh, there's an article in seven days about this right now that came out a few days ago. And can you talk about that a little bit in this regard? It's, it's, there started out with a resolution in front of the public safety committee that I believe was sponsored by the council president. She a little unusual, but she serves as chair of that committee. Usually when you're president of the council in the past, you haven't served on committees like that, but it is now. There's no rule that says you There's can't. There's no rule that says you can't. It's just a little unusual, but but nonetheless, so I believe she had a resolution that talked a lot more about enforcement, which is something that you mentioned in the earlier segment, a desire to see more enforcement. The resolution then was rewritten, my understanding, by the mayor and city councilor Joe McGee, progressive mayor from uh, progressive councilor from the old North End, um, and turned it to something completely different, all about harm reduction only. No mention anymore of enforcement. Can you talk about that a little bit? And uh, how? Why did that resolution disappear and turn into a completely different resolution? So. Um, Kelly, I'm watching the tape of that, and I listened to your testimony. You did you know, really great job, and I really think the BBA is playing a very important role in kind of keeping this issue front and center to the extent you can. Um, that whole thing was so bizarre. Okay, so there's an initial version of the resolution that has language about the you know drug crisis as a public safety crisis, right? And it's replaced by a completely different resolution um, about the drug crisis as a public health crisis. Now, of course, it is a public health crisis. And the council has adopted, what, four different resolutions to that effect. So why why would we do that again? Because, you know, as, I, as, a, as a colleague said to me over the weekend, we're not going to harm reduce our way out of this. Okay, we're not going to, you know, use, you know, the kind of law and order approach out of it either. You have to use the two approaches together. Okay, so procedurally, I mean, I read that story and then I'm like, I want to see the first resolution. Yeah. In my experience, you know, it's a public record. It should be available to the public. And I would like to see it made available to the public once again. Okay. Um, Very unusual to then have. Another resolution, not an edited version, not version two, where a completely could, different. Where you could look at the first version and see the difference. And see the difference. 
that's drafted by the mayor with a counselor who's not on the committee. That's, that's all very, very bizarre to me. And I, I actually think that the public safety committee, which is Paul Grant and Doherty, are individuals who do understand the public safety side of this issue and think that we need to be doing more than we're doing. I mean, Council Grant, to her credit, unlike her predecessor, is a longtime old North Ender who understands what's happening in neighborhoods when you have a very active house where there's a lot of trafficking going on. And so the new resolution now, and we'll ask you in a minute what you saw, what you looked at when you when you read the original resolution. But the new one, the way it was rewritten, apparently by the mayor and Councilor McGee, calls for two city-hosted public forums about the crisis and for the council to t- make the topic a standing item on the agenda and talks about support for harm reduction strategies such as overdose prevention, overdose prevention sites and drug checking services. And it calls, and I think in the new resolution, it maybe takes a couple shots at the state and Governor Scott. Yes. Yeah. So the first one, um, I thought was pretty balanced. I mean, I think it was read differently by the mayor and by Councilman McGee and maybe by, you know, some, some members of the community. Um, and it was read as, you know, a kind of, you know, lock them all up approach, which I think is not a fair reading of that resolution. I think they expressed their concerns about it being out there and um, convinced the chair of the committee to kind of pull it back. Okay. But the conversation will continue. I mean, there's no action on it. Something, some resolution will be coming to the council. And I encourage all, all um, members of the Burlington community who are concerned about this to get involved in that, um, to kind of call into the next public safety committee meeting. Um, and tell the counselors what you would like, what you think the city needs to be doing. I'm convinced that the majority of people in Burlington think we need to strengthen the enforcement and prosecution side, which is not only on the police. They're not the only player there. It needs to be a systemic ramping up of our effort. And I think it has to be, it's like we're doing this and it's like like Mike Smith was a great manager because he would always say, "You got to identify the two things you got you got to do first, and you're not doing anything else until, until you, you do those two things." Until you take care of those big two. Kelly, were you surprised to see that this thing was totally uh, rewritten and the first resolution that would dealt with enforcement would just disappeared? Yeah, I, I read the first resolution and um, and then uh, all of a sudden, yeah, they were both posted for a while. And then one disappeared. So clearly it was uh, what some might call a cluster beep, <laughs> it yeah. seemed to me. You know, I had a lot of empathy for uh, Council President Paul because I know she was, I think she was doing good work. I hope Jane and Kurt, and, and I love your call to listeners to uh, come testify. We've been having people come to every public safety meeting to talk about what's happening in businesses, what happens in businesses, how impacts people who live and visit Burlington. We've got to get those voices out there because I think maybe this, 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 um, at least this initiative is a good opportunity to maybe figure out a way to get these different sides collaborating, Jane and Kurt. That's my hope anyway. All right, Agreed. Kelly, thanks. Thank okay. you. All right. Th- thanks for calling this morning, Kelly. Let's go to the next line here. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. Um, it's Karen Paul. Um, 
I've been listening to uh, what you've been talking about and just wanted to let the public know that we are going to be having another meeting about on the, the public safety committee is going to be having another meeting. It will either be, um, I'm waiting for a confirmation from all committee members, but it will either be the 19th or the 21st of September and um, a resolution that will combine both of the resolutions that Jane has mentioned um, will hopefully be on the agenda and we will take it from there. So just wanted the public to know. So the enforcement that was in the first resolution that you had sponsored, uh, President Paul, uh, some of those aspects will now be integrated into this other resolution? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, and, um, you know, I know you don't have a lot of time, Kurt, so I won't go into every detail. Um, at the meeting in, uh, in August, um, and actually also in the, the meeting we had before that, um, we heard loud and clear from com- um, from committee members um, and um, and from the public that what they are looking for is a resolution that addresses drug activity in neighborhoods. And um, committee members had been encouraging me um, for months to put this on the agenda and have a serious conversation about this, based on what we heard at that meeting in August, that was where the resolution, um, that was, that was where the resolution came from. And, um, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fair resolution. I do agree with Jane, um, about the number of resolutions that we have, we have had, um, from the council that the council has voted on since 2018 about harm reduction. Um, I wrote two of them. Um, they were overwhelmingly approved by the council, and we are on the record as supporting harm reduction. Um, substance use disorder is a disease that requires medical treatment, and we have we have been on the record a number of times about that. This resolution was not about that. It was about what the committee is supposed to be doing, which is addressing public safety. Um, but it was not it was not taken that way by a number of people, and so now you know we're going to go back and we're going to do a resolution that we hope will strike a better balance and will have broader support. Thank you, thank you, President Paul. Um, that's all really good background to hear, and and I appreciate your um, your work on this issue because I think that you know you 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 came to. The Burlington Housing Authority, and you sat there for over an hour to kind of hear the experience of people in Decker Towers and in other properties. And so um, I appreciate that you're listening and you are um, moving this forward in a hopefully more positive direction. But of course, it isn't all up to you. <laughs> no, it, it, it isn't. Um, but I, but I will say, Jane. I mean, you know, this was the first time, and I greatly appreciate the fact that you asked uh, Joan and I to come. Um, and Ben to come, and I learned a lot, um, a lot of things that I really didn't understand about the way the voucher system works, about the, um, you know, the constraints that are on Decker Towers and the ability for Steve to, you know, to move forward on a number of these incredibly challenging issues. So, um, you know, I, I learned a lot and was only the first of what I hope will be a number of meetings where we will work together to, to figure this out 
because in the end, we do have to figure this out. And I know that there is the will to want to do that. Karen, yes. Karen, um, we'll let you go in just a minute here. Um, I'm glad to hear that a lot of the enforcement parts of that resolution are going to be integrated now into this new resolution. But just real quickly, how did it happen? I know you said some disagreed with that resolution. But how did it happen that that first resolution more or less totally disappeared, replaced by this other one? Uh, well, the reason that that happened was that, um, you know, the, um, you know the, the committee members, counselors, the administration all received that resolution in advance. Committee members had it two, uh, a week and a half in advance. The administration had it um, a week and a half in advance. Um, I didn't hear from anyone. Um, and, you know, as you know, Kurt, with a committee of three, you know, we don't talk amongst each other. But, you know, the city attorney, who is the staff member, did not hear from anyone. And so I assumed that this was a resolution that people were generally supportive of. And... We were going to move forward with it. I let the entire council know um, on Thursday morning, several hours before the meeting, um, got a very long email from a number of, a few long emails from a number of people. And to make a long story short, there was significant concern that the resolution as drafted was going to send a narrative to those who are suffering with substance use disorder and those who have lost family members and dear friends to the overdose crisis, that we were, um, we were going back on our longstanding policy. And as someone who has written those resolutions, that was not acceptable to me, and that was not what the resolution was about. It was actually deeply disappointing to me that people felt that way. Uh, the, the bottom line is that because it was going to create more of a problem, and I didn't see the other resolution really having time to have a discussion about it at the meeting. Um, we put the alternative forward because I asked the, the other committee members, do you want to go forward with the other resolution? And there was more support for the second one. So that was where our starting point was going to be. Um, I'm happy to post the other resolution, but to be honest with you, at this point, I'd really like to to post and hope to post in the next couple of days a a resolution that combines both. and And I hope that we can move forward on that because, as Jane has pointed out, as Kelly pointed out, as a number of people pointed out from the meet at the meeting, this is a public safety and a public health emergency. And we need to address it on both sides of the, uh, we need to address both. All right. City Council President Karen Paul, we appreciate you calling into the morning drive today. Yeah, and that clarifying. was a special, special treat there. Thanks yeah, for calling. Yeah, really. Thanks. Hey, yeah, like I don't do this for just anybody, Kurt, right? <laughs> we appreciate it. And, and of course, next time we'll get you in here in person. You can bring us some more chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, yeah I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank, Thank you right. for calling in. Have a in. good one, Karen. We Thanks. appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good morning. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you want to go to the next line? Let's go, and uh, we got another call. Uh, good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning. <clears throat> Regarding the uh, Decker Towers, and uh, you had mentioned something about maybe hazard pay for, you know, social workers visiting, you know, helping out uh, residents and whatnot. How about taking some money and just getting a security guard? You know, and then have a log of like who comes in and out. Like, for instance, if Joe Schmo lets in 
uh, a particular person, well, they got to sign in and, you know, they got to show an ID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a small, would it be a small cost just to have a security guard and a log so you know who's coming in and out? Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks very much. So we haven't looked into the security. Um, we estimate it would run up to like half a million dollars a year. And our EDs talk to, you know, other people who manage lots of housing units. And they say, no, well, what happens is the security comes in. you got a problem with a, a violent individual. They call the police and they may still not get a response. So it doesn't seem to be the solution. And it's expensive. Um, and this building now under the new model of what used to be public housing, this building has to support itself. The rents that we collect have to cover the expenses of the building, which are already is already challenged. And that's a whole other topic. I think that this is a sector of affordable of our affordable housing stock that is potentially at risk and needs a lot more attention from the city. Jane, we've only got a couple of minutes left. I want to just shift to another issue real quick with the last two minutes that we have, which is the financial review that was called for by the mayor of the REIB office, the equity office in Burlington. We know there was a huge controversy about that with Taisha Green and some of her supporters showed up at the city council meeting and railed against the mayor. It was called all kinds of names and there really wasn't much of any discussion at all at the council meeting. Yep. But I know you've looked at it a lot and you've actually done a FOIA request for some additional information. I have put in a, um, a public records request for some of the communi- internal communications within the city to try to understand some of the processes behind um, the management of some of these, these contracts. Um, the one contract that is discussed in the report that I have looked closely at is the one that paid for a, a cultural transformation report that cost $90,000 and you i've looked i've gotten it through a city councilor but if member public tries to go find that on the city's website good luck i can't find it um and that needs to be available to the public for people to see well, and for that, ninety thousand dollars you would think um, yes and you know that was a case where the there's some blame that i think the council has to own because if i watched the pub board of finance meeting where this contract with this individual who later turned out to be an associate of of the directors. And um, we should never have spent this kind of money on this report. I think there are many other issues like that where they should be taken on throughout the city of Burlington, not just here, but, you know, there's a, there's been a, there was a lack of oversight, I'm afraid. Jane O'Dell, former city council president, uh, thanks for all the great work you continue to do for the city of Burlington. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I look forward to next time. You got it. Thanks for coming in. And we'll be back tomorrow right here on News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un now in Russia for an expected meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. ABC News Chief Global Affairs Correspondent Martha Raddatz reports discussions could begin in a couple of days. After a lengthy train ride in that so-called luxury armored train, Kim is set to be welcomed by Vladimir Putin, possibly in Vladivostok, where the two men met in 20-